here comes the rooster. I know he's about to say it just any second. Maybe not. I faded him, so he didn't do it. No. You're listening to Money Talks. I'm Troy Harmon. I'm here with uh, Michael Griffin and Dan Deluzio. All right, well, we've got several questions uh, that we've received from listeners over uh, the last week. Uh, I do want to encourage you, if you have questions for us, you can reach out to us uh, calling our question hotline, one 855 429-9166. What you do there is you would uh, you would call. Uh, you'll get a recorded message. Uh, leave your own recorded message, including your question. Uh, we'll play the question on the air and answer right behind it. Uh, if you don't prefer to do that, you'd rather talk to a human being, you can call us at 770-429-9166 and do just that. Uh, if you're introverted, like most accountant uh, financial types, uh, you can... Also, email us, and the email address is drgene at hensler.com. That's spelled D-R-G-E-N-E at H-E-N-S-S-L-E-R dot com. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, if uh, you would like answers to uh, questions that you might have uh, that you think you could answer on your own, you can go to our website, hensler.com, spelled again the same way, H-E-N-S-S-L-E-R, and uh, you probably will find lots and lots of uh, answers to questions, uh, whether they be financial or accounting. Um, and, uh, you know, if, if we can't suit you in that manner, the best thing to do is just call. Um, you can call that same number, 770-429-9166. You can ask to speak to any of the experts that we ever have on the radio, uh, including Michael and, um, and Dan. Um, I'm that introvert that I was just talking about. So, uh, you know, I, I generally like to stay in the back room in a closet with all my numbers, and that's where I feel happy. So anyway, we do have a few questions this week. Uh, I got a question from Abe Frum uh, via Twitter um, who asks, what are your thoughts on Home Depot? I read something about how the company hit earnings despite not, open, uh, not opening a lot of new stores. Also seems like the housing market has rebounded. It's expensive, but is it a buy? Uh, I would agree that it's, it's not a loan. It does look a little expensive. Um, one thing you have to think about, um, in the middle of that rebound in the housing market, Home Depot really tends to do well. But Home Depot does uh, better than a, than a home builder, even in a downturn, because a lot of folks will, uh, uh, instead of trying to buy a new house, they'll fix up their own, uh, the one that they have. Current PE is 23.8 on uh, Home Depot. If you look at its peers in the S, uh, S&P 500 consumer discretionary sector, uh, the peers are higher at 25 and a half approximately. Debt to equity in Home Depot is uh, really hard for me to justify. It's 1,858. Wow. That is a, a lot of leverage in a company, uh, and and I guess you know you can almost justify it. Home Depot at this point is almost like a utility, in as much as uh, it's a known brand, uh, very well established. Uh, it services its debt well, um, but uh, 37 of their debt, 37 percent of their debt is actually really long term. So what they've done is uh, very arguably uh, smart on their part. Um, most of their debt, uh, that 37%, is out to, to uh, 2035 and beyond. So it's wow. long-term debt, and the uh, average interest at, uh, at issuance was about 3.45%. 
they borrowed really cheap. Mm -hmm. So um, the debt they have, and I mean, you go to finance school and they're going to tell you uh, when you ask them what's the uh, best methodology of financing your business, well, the cheapest is debt until you get it to a certain point where it starts making it look like you could go bankrupt. Um, But with debt at less than 3.5% out uh, to 2035, uh, it's really hard to argue with them there. Uh, You know, the weighted average debt maturing uh, beyond 2035 is 4.76%. So uh, all things considered, it it um, their, their debt looks kind of crazy. Uh, the company looks expensive, but not as expensive as many of their peers. Um, the debt rating is, is okay. I mean, it's, it's um, one of those things that uh, <clears throat> I, I would definitely not tell you it's a sell. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, again, you know, kind of hard to want to get in the middle of it. And I know I'm sitting in the middle of Home Depot country. I mean, this is this is where the headquarters are. Yeah, oh, um, yeah. just down the street. Yeah, no doubt. Um, but uh, one thing I would like to make a point of is, uh, you know, I mentioned it before. Their earnings seem to do well when, when people are, are not willing to open their wallet all the way. Um, you know, they'll make uh, improvements to the house they live in. So, um if you look back in our last downturn, the S&P 500 was down 52%. They fell. They fell pretty significantly, but not near as bad as that. They were down 43.7%. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, you can tell that they they uh, look a, a good bit more conservative, if you will, mm-hmm. uh, as an investment than, uh, than many of their consumer discretionary peers. They're not opening the stores they used to, though, right? Yeah, but, I mean, there is a point of saturation. Oh, I mean, I at, at some point, you know, you're not going to outgrow the economy. Well, absolutely. Yeah, well, I, so, can, I can be at three Home Depots within 20 minutes of my house. So, I mean, right, do yeah. we really need them to open a lot more? Exactly. No, and, and, you know, I mean, like I just said, I mean, we're in Home Depot country. They're going to they're gonna grow here before they grow elsewhere. True. Uh, and, and they've got really good coverage in the Atlanta market, um, and they're getting to where they've got great coverage elsewhere, mm-hmm. you know, as well. So uh, it doesn't really bother me much that they're not opening new stores. Uh, their growth is, is still um, – Pretty attractive uh, long-term growth expected 13.25% over the next three to five years with earnings. Um, and their five-year historical growth is almost 18%, 17.8% over mm-hmm. the last five years. So, um, you know, it's it's not um, by any stretch uh, a bad thing that they've got going on. The debt just scares me a bit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's probably the biggest one. Guys, let's move on. I uh, don't know if we'll have time to answer this question, but I do want to throw it out there. Um, Allison from Dallas has a question. Uh, I've been a stay-at-home mom for 10 years. My husband and I are now divorcing. Sorry about that. Uh, my lawyer wants me to go uh, after his 401K with a quadro. I have no idea if I'm spelling that right. I guess <laughs> it's... Um, just uh, I, she did what I would do, you know, the old phonics way. Hope the old right. phonics worked for me. Well, uh, can you give me a brief rundown? Absolutely. So, and, a, and a quadro is a qualified domestic relations order. It's uh, something that's typically found in a divorce agreement and recognizes that the ex-spouse is entitled to receive a portion of the individual's retirement plan. Um, so, you know, a quadro is definitely probably something that you'd want to look into. Well, if, if you, you think about it from the, her perspective, a 401k 
quite often, you could argue, is kind of the family asset, right? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And she's been staying at home because and she's, she's been working in the house, just not getting right. in a four, you know, not being able to contribute to a 401k. Right, yeah. So you could assume that then, you know, that retirement nest egg, if you will, is, a joint uh, is going to be his a own. Joint asset. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Michael, you mentioned what a quadro is. Uh, we talked about how it's uh, the 401k. She worked in the home. Um, so it's it's uh, kind of a family asset and could be split. But yeah. there are alternatives, right? There certainly are. I mean, you know, they could simply decide to uh, split the assets another way. So if, the say, the husband kept the entire 401k, but she kept the house and then was paid uh, paid alimony or something like that, or if they had a, a taxable account that she wanted to take a portion of, the reason that you would do something like this is because, honestly, quadros can be, uh, can be kind of expensive, uh, and, you know, it does raise the attorney fees a lot to do that. So if they wanted to keep it a little more simple, they could just divide assets a different way. Yeah, so what you would do, I guess, in that case is just figure out the value of total family assets, mm-hmm. uh, collective assets, mm-hmm. and uh, one gets one thing and try somebody else as, gets the other. Yeah, try right? to be as exactly. equitable as possible. Another right. thing about a, the if, if you do get a retirement account through a quadro, remember that even though uh, it's split, you'll still pay taxes on it when you retire and begin taking benefits mm-hmm. or RMDs or whatever it is out of this. Right. And so, it's, uh, it's good that we've got a tax, uh, tax professional in the middle of this conversation because we had some changes to alimony. I know Michael mentioned, mm-hmm. you know, maybe getting alimony, but we had changes to the taxation of alimony this year as well in yeah, that 2018. Right. So, uh, you know, without going into uh, sordid detail, I would say before you get – to the very end of this game, you probably want to talk to an accountant. I would think so. I, I we try to recommend that to our clients when you're going through a divorce, uh, is to also talk with your CPA or whomever mm-hmm. it is that you're dealing with, because there are tax implications on a lot of these Absolutely. suggestions, and not all the attorneys are aware of it. I mean, they're there to do the job of, you know, of, of handling the divorce and getting you through it. But also the other other half of it is what are the tax ramifications of it? So yeah, I've, I've talked to some family attorneys this year, and and uh, that particular point actually gave them a bit of heartburn. Mm. Uh, so you know that they're understanding of it, but absolutely best to uh, talk to your your uh, tax preparer before you get too far down this road. Don't sign the papers without talking to some That's pros. Right. Uh, All right, we've got another question here. Dana from Stonecrest, a pretty simple question. What are the gift and estate tax rules after tax reform? Uh, Dan, is that one you think you can get us? Yeah, that's a pretty easy one. Well, essentially what they've done, the estate tax, you know, they went from about a $5.4 million exemption now or exclusion on your estate tax up to 11, approximately 11.2. This is per person. So a married couple, you're looking at a... In order, and after, in order to actually pay an estate tax, you'd have to have an estate in excess of about twenty-two and a half million. Now, yeah. even so, most small businesses aren't going to be caught right. in that. So that actually pretty much exempts everybody from estate taxes. Right. For the, the people that I know, anyway. Sure. <laughs> well, uh, I we know got, we got some clients that are, they're actually planning, so they still got a plan for it. But sure. on the gift end, they've also raised that. Last year there was a fourteen thousand dollar annual exclusion, and this that's year per it's fifteen partners as well, right? and that's per person. Yeah. So if you were a husband and wife, you wanted to give your children money, you could technically 
uh, give a child thirty thousand dollars because the husband could give fifteen, the wife could give fifteen. Sure. Mm-hmm. So, and also, remember one thing about gifts: gifts uh, that are not taxable for the exclusion are also gifts that you that you can pay directly to, like school tuition or medical expenses. Mm-hmm. As long as you're paying it right to to them, that doesn't count toward the fifteen thousand dollar limit. All right. Okay. Good deal. That's a great point, Dan. All right, so uh, one more here. Uh, Jonathan from Marietta says, My company is going to offer us a Roth 401k in 2019. I already participate in the 401k. I assume this being a traditional. Uh, My wife contributes to a Roth IRA as her company doesn't have a retirement plan. Uh, Do you think I should switch to the Roth 401k or leave everything as is? Michael, that sounds like a Michael question all day long with your (laughs) CFP. You can cover this, right? It certainly is, Troy. And and Jonathan, that's a a very loaded question, and there's a lot of variables to it. Oh, he's going to sound like an accountant right here in front of an accountant. (laughs) Do it, Michael. I want to hear it. So we'll try to to keep it as short and simple as we can. No, it's a two-word answer. It depends. It depends. It does (laughs) depend. All right, so we answer the question now. Tell us why. You know, you, you can do you can do it a lot of different ways. Uh, you know, obviously, if, you, if you're making the contributions after tax, you know, it, it certainly it certainly helps out. Um, but you know, it, it's completely up to you. I think if you're if you're skeptical on what to do, sometimes it's just easier to split it. If you're doing uh, you know eight percent, do four to uh, two before tax and four to an after tax, and keep it simple. Yeah. So there's there's a few things. Uh, first of all, if I just want to be an analyst. Um, and it might sound like something else, but I'm just saying analyst. Um, if I want to be the analyst, I know that the true difference between a Roth and a traditional is the tax, right? Absolutely. You either pay it on the front end or you pay it on, pay the, it back on the back end. end. Either way. So if, if I could tell the future and tell you what the uh, tax is going to be in retirement when mm-hmm. I, or when I'm 70 and a half and the government starts forcing me to take my money out of my traditional IRA, uh, I could tell you the absolute answer to this, which would be best. Absolutely. Whichever is going to be your lowest tax rate. So, you know, without having that foresight, um, which, you know, wouldn't make me not on this radio show or anywhere <laughs> close, um, I, I uh, couldn't tell you that for sure. But there are certain issues that you have to think about. And uh, one of them is just what I said. When you're 70 and a half, what happens? You have to start taking the you required minimum distribution. Must take the required you have minimum no distribution. Choice. So it really is our our uh, probably our best advice to diversify. Mm-hmm. We we say diversify your portfolio, but also diversify the vehicles within which you save to create that portfolio. Because you don't have to pull it out of the Roth portion. Right, right. you're not That's forced. That's right. The RMDs have to come out of the ta- the other accounts. The IRAs are traditional IRAs and the four traditional 401ks. They don't have to come out of any of the Roth. They don't. You could keep that forever and, and pass it on to your kids if you wanted to. Well, not mm-hmm. only that, if you got in, in a sort of a hardship, you can take the principal back out of your Roth, right? At after any after any several time. years? Yeah, right? After five, five years. It's a, yeah. I, I knew there was a limit on the time before you could take it. So yeah. uh, it gives you a little more flexibility. Uh, you do have to pay it in after tax. So it's, it's going to be, it's going to make your, your uh, take home pay, if you will, decrease by mm-hmm. more than the amount that you're saving. Absolutely. Whereas the traditional does just the opposite. You can save a certain amount and your tax, uh, your, your take home pay doesn't decline by as much. So mm-hmm. there's trade-offs for either. But at the end of the game, you would rather have a diversity of 
not only your, your uh, securities within your portfolio, but also have a diversity of vehicles through which you are saving. Absolutely. And I, he says his wife's contributing to a Roth, too. So, you know, I mean, I'd, you know, put it, put it right in half and, and, and go that way. I, sure, think he, yeah. I think he'd be safe to do that. Yeah, or you might uh, even increase your wife so that you've got collectively half and half. Exactly. You know, you could do that, and uh, and hopefully you didn't get in that spot that we were just talking just, about. Where just do also a quick check on your withholdings, because if you're going to do a Roth, you're going to have pay a little more taxes. Yeah, so that's just true. check on that. Yeah, that's yeah fair point, Dan. All right, I um, think we got another one here we can talk about. Lee from Dalton uh, says, I've been watching Momo Incorporated, and... Um, Seems like it's got some room for growth year to date. It's up 68%. Wow. Uh, so I think the target one-year price may be lower uh, than it will be. Uh, plus, uh, most are rating in a buy, not a strong buy. What do you think? Uh, I, I got a pretty short answer for this. I'm looking at a company that doesn't have uh, anything in the way of earnings. Uh, there's no dividend, uh, no expected long-term growth. I don't see the uh, analysts that you're talking about giving all this good buy advice. As best I can tell, Momo at this point is um, is a speculation. Um, so I would have to say, and it's a company in the People's Republic of China, which I am mm-hmm. not a big fan. They always, I mean, our accountant on the show will tell you numbers get a little bit chippy, right? Yeah. All right, market up or down, Michael. Oh. All right, well, you know I'm a broken record. Market's up. Thanks for listening to Money Talks. We'll talk to you next week. All material presented is compiled from sources believed to be reliable and current, but accuracy cannot be guaranteed. The contents are intended for general information purposes only. Information provided should not be the sole basis in making any decisions and is not intended to replace the advice of a qualified professional, such as a tax consultant, insurance advisor, or attorney. Although this material is designed to provide accurate and authoritative information with respect to the subject matter, it may not apply in all situations. This is not to be construed as an offer to buy or sell any financial instruments. It is not our intention to state, indicate, or imply in any manner that current or past results are indicative of future profitability or expectations. Portfolio holdings discussed are subject to change. There is no guarantee that in the future these securities will be held in Hensler accounts. As with all investments, there are associated inherent risks. Please obtain and review all financial material carefully before investing. Hensler is not licensed to offer or sell insurance products. This overview is not to be construed as an offer to purchase any insurance products.